Welcome to the Enter the Bible podcast, where you can get answers or at least reflections on everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. I'm Katherine Schifferdecker. And I'm Katie Langston. And today on the podcast, we're delighted once again to welcome our wonderful friend and colleague, Lois Malcolm. Uh, Lois is, uh, I'm just going to say, professor of systematic theology at Luther Seminary. I mean, she has a fancy chair name, uh, which I believe is in Norwegian. And those are words I can't say. So um, (laughs) fancy Norwegian chair name. Uh, of Systematic Theology at Luther Seminary. We're so glad to have you here. Um, welcome back to the podcast. It's a delight to be here. Yeah. With both of you. Yeah. 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 So today we have another listener question. And listeners, uh, if you have a question, you can go directly to our website at enterthebible.org and click on a little button at the top that says got questions and or or ask a question. I can't remember what it says now. It says one of those two things. Anyway, click on that and there's a form Fill it, fill it out with a question you might have about the Bible. You can fill it out anonymously if you want or include your name. Uh, and we do our best to answer as many of these questions as we can here on the podcast. Um, so the question that has been uh, um, selected or, or, or um, posed for us today is, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? And Lois is a Holy Spirit expert if such a thing can be said to exist. (laughs) Certainly, she spent much of her uh, career as a theologian uh, thinking and writing and praying and, you know, considering this question. So, Lois, how do you receive it? How do we receive? Go ahead. Do tongues of fire descend? Is that how it works? Well, the the reality is we receive the Holy Spirit um, in in our baptism. We receive the Holy Spirit when we have faith and trust in God's promises in Jesus. Now, what we receive the Holy Spirit, as Paul says in Galatians, did you receive the Holy Spirit because of your good works? No, we receive the Holy Spirit by trusting in God's promises that in Jesus God has given us the promise given to Abraham, which is the promise of God's commitment to love us as God's own children. Okay, that's what the promise of the Spirit is about, is that we are loved as God's own children, and the Spirit is God's living presence of that promise, which we experience. And the reason why baptism fits into this is that baptism, both at the beginning of the Christian life And as the basic pattern of what defines every day of the Christian life, which is dying and rising in Christ. Okay, so the promise of the Spirit is the Spirit's presence in us, so that as Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, yet it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live by faith, I live by Faith, the life I live now in this life, I live by faith in this promise that Christ now is the one who lives in me and redefines my life. So that's what the promise of the Spirit is about. It's the promise of God's presence in Jesus. I can go on, but why don't, it looks like you're ready to jump in, either Katie or Catherine. I have more to well, say, but why don't you guys jump in at this point? Thank you. Thank you, Lois. That's a great introduction. I'm guessing that some of our listeners are thinking, and maybe the person who submitted this question as well, are thinking about um, 
the experience or the knowledge of Pentecostal churches uh, or, mm. you know, more uh, evangelical churches that experience things like speaking in tongues or speak more often of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, the, the, the three of us on this podcast are Lutheran, uh, which is neither here nor there, except that Lutherans tend to speak more about Jesus, I would say, than about the Holy Spirit, which makes you a unique kind of Lutheran, Lois, because you do speak more about the Holy Spirit. Not that we don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Of course we do, but um, but we tend to emphasize uh, the second person of the Trinity, of Jesus and the, and the cross more. So, so what would you say to one of these listeners who say, yeah, that's all well and good. Yeah, well, you receive the Holy Spirit in baptism, but it, have you really received the Holy Spirit if you haven't experienced something like speaking in tongues? Mm. Well, the reason for this difference in tradition, say between Lutherans on the one hand and Pentecostals on the other, is that there actually is a difference in how receiving the Holy Spirit is presented in the New Testament. Okay, right. If you actually read the book of Acts... Mm-hmm. There, okay, in Acts 2, you're going to find the Holy Spirit coming along with baptism and forgiveness and repentance. So that's very similar to the Lutheran pattern, which, mm-hmm. and by the way, Luther draws on Paul and on John. Okay, you receive the Holy Spirit, which is connected with the forgiveness of sins, this dying and rising in Christ, and so forth. So, so it yes, Acts begins with the whole the whole picture, baptism, forgiveness of sins, repentance, and receiving the Holy Spirit. So all of that is kind of like one big ball of wax. And that does continue in Acts from Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. So you're going to see this pattern repeated. However, there are some passages. For example, in Acts 8, where Philip is in Samaria, Mm-hmm. And there is a distinction between their conversion to Christ on the one hand and their receiving the Holy Spirit. The same thing happens yeah. with Paul in Ephesus in Acts 19, where they receive the Holy Spirit afterwards. And then you've even got Acts 10, which is about the conversion of Cornelius's household, where guess what? They receive the Holy Spirit before they are baptized. Ah, so what I'm yes. saying is that in Acts, you've got this really interesting picture because in Acts 2, it all comes together at Pentecost. Okay, mm-hmm. baptism, forgiveness, repentance, Holy Spirit. But, right. And that pattern, the fourfold pattern, does continue throughout the book of Acts. And yet you have these instances, which I've just described, these three different cases, Acts 8, Acts 2, and Acts 19, where they're disconnected, where the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit does not necessarily come with the initial conversion. And so that has what led, has led some people, like Pentecostal movements or charismatic movements, to say that there are kind of two different pieces, because in many Christians' lives, lives, say they will have been baptized as a baby or they will have been converted and baptized as adults, but then they have some other powerful experience of the Holy Spirit, which is which they see as a kind of second baptism. So mm. I'm just saying that, yes, it's there in Scripture, and that is what some people have actually experienced, okay? But what... 
I, I think the overarching picture of what receiving the Holy Spirit is about, and this is one thing we have to be really clear on, and Paul is really clear on this in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, which is that the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's not about receiving special powers. Okay, the goal is not to have special experiences or special powers. The goal is for the sake of building up the body of Christ. So uh, that if you yeah. speak in tongues, there's nothing wrong with speaking in tongues. If you have a gift of healing, there's nothing wrong with the gift of healing. If you have a gift of prophecy, there's nothing wrong with that. If you have a, a gift of a word of wisdom, there's nothing wrong with that. But in don't fact, these are very it. positive things. Right? These are very positive. These the, yeah. the church needs this. You know what I mean? In fact, right. my hope and right. prayer with my students is that more of them will learn how to heal and speak in yeah. tongues and do yeah. all sorts yeah, yeah. of stuff. You know what I mean? That the power of God will right. work through them. I pray for that for my students. But on the other hand, the purpose of that is not to become wealthy or wise or powerful or to judge other people and to say you're not as spiritual as I am because you don't have my gifts. It's not. The purpose of that is to build up the body of Christ. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Which is where. And to promote um, God's reign in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is uh, you know, if you read 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, uh, and other parts of Corinthian, right? The, this is the issue in the uh, church at Corinth, right? Because there are some right. people who have received the Holy Spirit in these ways of speaking in tongues or healing or prophecy, and they look down on those who have not received the Holy Spirit in that way, right? They think they're some kind of super Christians. And so Paul says very <laughs> much, you know, what you... What you've said, right? None of this is worth anything if you're not building up the body of Christ. And that's where you get, you know, that beautiful passage in First Corinthians 13 about, you know, if I speak with the tongue of angels, if I have all powers but have not love, then, you know, I'm nothing, right? So it all has to be for the building up of the community. You know, if I, Paul says too, right, if I, if I speak in tongues but no one understands it, well, then it's not very useful, right, for building up the community. So uh, it's it, it, we're given different gifts of the Spirit, but all of them are to be used not for bragging or not for building ourselves up, for but for building up the, the community, the body of Christ. And it's and, not you know, about... Here, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's not about who's, like, who's saved and who's not saved, right? right. I, I, I have heard of folks worrying about their salvation if they haven't received a certain kind of gift. Um, and I think w what we're saying is that the salvation comes as a gift from God through Jesus. And, and these manifestations are varied and different and you can't really control them. You can't control the spirit. You can't control what God sees fit to, 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 to gift you with, but that doesn't, um, call into question you know your your fundamental salvation you're you're okay you're 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 safe right 
And here, I think it's always helpful to think in terms of two ditches. And here, I think there are two ditches. Okay, on the one hand, there's the ditch that Paul is addressing in 1 Corinthians 14, 12 to 14, that whole section. And that's the, that's the ditch that we've just been talking about, the ditch where we somehow think that we're superior to other people because we have certain gifts. Okay, that's one ditch to avoid. Or, or to think of God as a kind of cosmic bellhop who's going to open parking spots for me and who's going to, you know, who's going to make me healthy, wealthy and wise and super successful and have multiple likes on Facebook, et cetera. You know what I mean? That's one ditch. But there's Wait, another ditch. he's not going to do that? Are you saying? Yes. He's not? God, there's Dang no it. guarantee. You're not going to, like, you're going to age right before your eyes just before oh. like everybody else. Okay. So that's, <laughs> all right. that's realism. But there's another ditch. And this, if, if that first ditch is the ditch, say, of some Pentecostals or some conservative Christians, okay, wanting to use God as a, as a cosmic bellhop, there's a ditch that the mainline or more progressive churches have, which is to not rely on the Holy Spirit at all. <laughs> Right. And to be mum yeah. about the Holy Spirit and to not right. realize that the Holy Spirit actually does give us power. It's not power to manipulate other people, but it is power to love. It's power to be free from the shackles of of resentment and anger that we have, that we hold against other people. It's power to love our neighbors, to love our enemies, you know. And that's where I think what we need to really emphasize, and this is, you find this in Acts, you find this in the Gospel of John, and you find this in Paul's letter, which are the three places where you can read about what it means to receive the Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit is always connected with the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection of the body. Those yeah. are two things yeah. that the Holy Spirit does. It's connected with eternal life. Okay, mm -hmm. the Holy, only God can ultimately forgive sins. That is to release us from the shackle that sin has, either what others have done to us or what we have done, okay? Mm -hmm. Frees us from bondage to sin. That's what, the, that's what receiving the Holy Spirit does on the one hand. Mm -hmm. It's forgiveness of sins, which means being liberated from the hold sin has on us. But there's another thing that the Holy Spirit does, which is to raise the body, which is not just going to happen in the afterlife, but even now, it, the, the Holy Spirit heals us and transforms us so that we can be made whole. You know, it's not yeah. that we're, we're, yeah. it's not that we're not going to suffer illness, but it's that we can be healed of our illnesses and live whole and complete lives. So that is what receiving the Holy Spirit is all about. Mm. I, I think that's really helpful. I, I I like to think in terms of the the ditches too, right? That we're that we don't go to one extreme or the other. And I think you know your your caution about the main line, which Lutheran Church, you know, the the ELCA falls into, is that we we don't pray, <laughs> trusting that pr our prayers will be answered. Right? I mean, I'm I'm exaggerating. There are of course many many faithful Lutherans who pray regularly and believe in the power of prayer, but it, it, it feels like we, you know, may not, um, we, we leave talk of the Holy spirit or of the power of the Holy spirit. We leave that to our more conservative brothers and sisters. When, when we are, so, when we're missing out, we miss out when we do that, right. That, 
that we 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 do need to pray, trusting that God hears our prayer, uh, and we and we need to trust that the Holy Spirit is alive and active and powerful uh, to 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 do God's healing work in us and in the world. Yeah, and and we need to learn how to pay attention because the spirit is always moving. The spirit yeah. is always active. And sometimes I think, you know, and, and this is, you know, maybe a ditch of self-sufficiency or something like that, right? We get so tempted to think, well, we can do it on our own or whatever that we don't see or pay attention to how God is already moving and how God is already acting and, and, and learning to see that and learning to discern where God is present um, helps you helps you recognize more and more where God is. And I think enables you to be more faithful to God and, and, and to be more trusting and, and to take more risks, right. That yeah, perhaps yeah. God is calling you to take. Right, exactly. Right? Um, and I think, um, I think that takes practice, right? Like it, it, this is a distinction from saying, uh, you have to do this again. You have to do this to like prove your salvation or you have to do this to prove you're okay. But it's more about like learning to learning to really pay attention. And so some things like some practices that I think have that I've tried that are really cool is like um, go sit on your porch or outside or go to a coffee shop and just look around and ask yourself the question, where is God present here? Where is God active here? Go take a walk around your neighborhood and ask, where is God present and active right here? You will be amazed. You will be, um, every time I do this practice, I'm amazed at where God is. And I'm like, oh yeah, there's God right there in, you know, in, in this person planting a garden or <laughs> tending to the weeds, or there's God right here in this person paying for this other person's coffee or there's God right here in this like community space where kids are coming together and, and playing on the playground. Like God is everywhere. God's spirit is everywhere. And, and learning to see that and to recognize it can be so powerful. And I just want to conclude with Luther's favorite verse on the Holy Spirit, which is Romans 8.26, which ties mm. in directly with what you're talking about, Katie, which is what gives you the eyes to attend to what's going on around you is the fact that the Holy Spirit is already there yeah. groaning like yeah. a mother giving birth to children, to a child, you know what I mean? So that your life now becomes a place where the whole, where, where, Christ happens where God's kingdom happens, where you become a Christ to the neighbor. You, do you see what I'm saying? And yeah. it's that kind of you become aware of what God is doing around you, but also you become this healing place where God is present through Jesus. And that's why we are called to attend to where God is at work and to continually be open to the ways in which the Holy Spirit is already there praying through you, groaning through you so that yeah. God's kingdom yeah. happens where you are present. Yeah. I think that God, God is that quickly is the, birthing uh, new that, life through that, you. Yeah. That, that verse is really important, right? That it's not some kind of uh, uh, special prayer that you pray, right? Or special words that right. you use. 
even when you don't have the words, Paul says in Romans right. 8, right? The spirit intercedes right. with groans, with sighs too deep for words, too right? Deep for words. Even right. when we don't have the words, the spirit prays for us and with us and through us. Uh, so that that's a promise we can cling to as well. Yeah. Which is a very liberating promise. Yeah. I mean, and that the yeah. more we live into that, the more we attend to that, as Katie was saying, the more liberated we become and the more right. liberated we are, the more we liberate the people around us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for those beautiful reflections. It's a, it's a treat to have you uh, on, on the podcast. And thanks yeah, for thank coming you, on. And, well, thank you. Um, and you gentle listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of the Enter the Bible podcast. You can get high quality courses, commentaries, resources, videos, reflections, and more at enterthebible.org. Uh, and be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. That really does help. Uh, and even better, share the podcast with a friend. Uh, um, that helps spread the word. Uh, thanks so much for being with us today.